Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of The Swim Special. This week we had on world gold and bronze medalist, Mr. Luke Greenbank. Uh, we spoke about a week or two before trials. Obviously, Luke had already booked himself onto the plane to Tokyo with his amazing performance in the 200 back out at the world in 2019. And yeah, we spoke about an array of things, particularly about his um, where he grew up in Cockermouth and about his career and his development and how he moved from the junior to the senior ranks in the sport. We had um, a really, really nice conversation. Luke was an absolute gentleman, really, really nice fella. And we hope that you guys enjoy listening to what we had to say. So without further ado, Luke Greenbank. Mr. Luke Greenbank, the pride of the north, mate. Thanks very much for coming on. How are you, sir? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Good stuff, mate. Um, I suppose the first thing, the place to start with you is the Olympics, the up and coming Olympics. You've already got a place uh, for Tokyo. Um, and I was just wondering um, how, um, because you, you you got the place outside of trials, how are you informed of that news? Do you get a, a call for a private number? Do you have to keep the news a secret for a while? Or how, how does it work? Uh, yeah, I can't actually remember exactly, but I think we found out um, roughly maybe a week or two before it got announced. Um, obviously, they released the sex selection criteria, so I knew I fit that criteria, so I was always hopeful. But, um, yeah, I, we got a letter through, or an e- I think we got a letter and an email through. Um, so, yeah, I was absolutely over the moon with it. Yeah, it, was, it must have been an incredibly proud moment for your family and stuff. Did, were, you, um, were they the first people you, you told the news to? Yeah, I mean, we have to keep it quiet um, for a little bit. Um, before it's officially announced, but I, I let my mum and dad know because um, obviously that they played a big part in in my uh, development as a, as a swimmer. So yeah, I let them know pretty early on. Yeah, I think that'd definitely be a tough Christmas, mate, if you uh, if you hadn't told them in the Olympics, But um, just, I mean, this looking forward to the Olympics. I mean, having your place, having your spot, and especially coming off the form you've been in recently, this must be probably the most enjoyable part of your career at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I've just been going from strength to strength um, in both training and the opportunities we've had with competitions. So, yeah, I'm really excited to, to get in there and race. Um, obviously, we've got Olympic trials coming up in uh, two weeks, I think. So that's a good opportunity to see where I am and, and kind of use that as um, like a launch pad going into Tokyo and, and looking to hit a really good time at trials and then see where we can improve and, and if we can move that on going into the Olympics. Yeah, and just on the Olympic trials there, mate, um, obviously you've made the team for the 200 back. Are you still going to be swimming that at the trials or are you focusing on other events? Uh, no, just I think at trials I've got um, 100 and 200 backstroke. So obviously um, with 100, there's the opportunity for the relay as well as the individual. And then, um, yeah, like I said, I just kind of I, I want to use that 200 backstroke as um, the, the jump pad going into Tokyo and, and gather some momentum and, and hopefully put down a, a fast time in there. Yeah, no, no doubt. Do you um, do you think that the you'll be feeling more pressure in the two hundred back or in the hundred back? I mean, you're coming off you're the, now the the newly crowned British record holder <laughs> in the two hundred back, which must be must be a very nice feeling. But obviously, the hundred back, the stakes are so high because of that medley relay team. I mean, that must be super exciting. Um, how are you feeling going into the hundred back? Yeah, I'm really excited. I think it'll be a really good race. There's um, a few of us 
that um, are kind of knocking on the doors of around 53 point. Um, I know Joe Litchfield's been swimming really well uh, recently. There's Brody Williams, Nick Pyle, and Elliot Clogg, um, and then a handful of others in there as well. So that's going to be a really good race. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Like it'd be great to, to get in there and see what I can do. Um, the training that I've been doing has really been better than it ever has been before. So um, in terms of both 100 and 200, I just, I want to go in and, and see where I am and see what I can do. So yeah, like I said, just just really excited to, to get in there, really. The 100 back, obviously, it's a pretty stacked field this year. I mean, looking at what, what was going on in the Manchester meets, it's it's a really exciting um, event. And obviously, you've got also the, the the possibility of making that really, really exciting medley relay team. Um, you also tried a few uh, 200 IMs recently. Al. Are you, <laughs> did, did that not cross your mind to, to have a go at those at trials or not? Um. It did actually cross my mind, yeah, but I think for the, for the trials, I really just wanted to, to focus in on the backstrokes. Um, and Mel was, I think, the same, just focusing on, on what we know. Um, I, I enjoy swimming the 200 IM, but I don't think my breaststroke is good enough to uh, be competitive <laughs> at it. But um, no, it's something that I think maybe I can um, implement in, in season uh, a little bit more, and maybe even on the like the likes of 100 fly. I used to be a fly swimmer when I was younger. So, um, I mean, any opportunity to race is really good. So I think that's going to be quite valuable um, going into the, the next cycle. Yeah, without a doubt. And um, I suppose what, another thing when approaching your racing, you've talked uh, a little bit before about your racing, about when you're approaching, you don't want to overthink before you um before you get into the water do you think at the olympics the olympic stage and all the uh the riffraff around the the event might change your mindset going in or are you still going to try and treat it like any other gala at Cockermouth? yeah I, th- I think that um i'm just going to stay stick to what i know um like i've gone into races before where i've let the environment kind of get the better of me and be a little bit overwhelmed and start overthinking um and I haven't performed that well. So I, I think if for me, I, I know it's different for everyone, but for me, I like to keep it simple um, and just have that routine of get there. Just don't get too involved in what's going on around me. Just focus on what I know and what I can control. Um, I know if I go into a um, competition like the Olympics, and if, if I understand that I've got the training background over the last months and even the year um, behind me, that, if that's been where it needs to be, then I'm going to go in confident. And I know the work's kind of done. The race is just kind of the, the end product. There's a few things that you can control on the day, but the majority of that is already like you've done the work. And if you've done the work, then you're going to come out with a good result. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that yeah, having that deep, deep training at the highest level must give you more the most amount of confidence, you know, more than anything. Has there been times in the past when you haven't swam so well um, and maybe you have been overthinking slightly that you think has really helped you in the long run? You've learned from your mistakes as such. You've learned from the bad times. And now you can sort of use all that, that experience to uh, to help you in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we if I look at my career, I kind of struggled from uh, that junior to senior transition, um, and I, there was a, there was a lot of things going on at that point. Like I'd moved away from home, I'd moved programs. Um, like obviously, Mel's an amazing coach, but I'm not sure the training we were doing at that time was 
it was very different to what I did as, as a junior. Um, there was a lot more kind of anaerobic type work. And um, that that has changed since. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I've been getting such good results. But yeah, I think if I look back to a competition like Europeans in 2018, um, I went in and I didn't feel physically fit. And then that kind of just got in my head a little bit. Um, and it certainly had a, an impact on my performances. I was quite nervous going into those races and um, I was trying to control all these things that were kind of getting away from me. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that does have a huge impact on um, on performance. So for me, yeah, like I said, I just like to keep it simple and, and focus on what I can control. Yeah. And you've, um, you've touched on it a little bit there, um in what you just said but i suppose your big breakthrough at the senior international level was at the 2019 worlds in in that 200 back um and as you said i mean in 2015 you you got the world junior uh record i think in the 200 back of baku in uh, the yeah. european games i mean what a swim that was <laughs> i mean at that at, at that time i mean did you did you expect that to happen or that must have been a bit of a crazy time for you because you're under the Team GB banner. You got a lot of attention for probably the first time. What was that like? Yeah, I, I think my career as a junior kind of, I was always improving. Um, so that that was like a massive a massive step on that improvement um, kind of trend. So yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Um, I kind of just went into it and like kind of like the mindset I have now where. I, I'm just carrying that momentum forward and um, I'm just going into races and attacking it and swimming well and not really overthinking too much. So I had that kind of mindset. Um, yeah, it was like absolutely bonkers. Um, I, I, th I struggled a little bit after that just to kind of reach that level again. But um, yeah, to be honest, if I didn't go through the, the, the difficult period of my career um, in that transition from junior to senior, I don't think I'd be where I am today because the amount I learned going through that transition was quite valuable. The, a lot, I learned a lot about myself and a lot about my training and um, I kind of improved my way of dealing with things in terms of racing and, and training. So, yeah, as, as bad as it was at the time, I'm kind of glad I went through it. Um, but, yeah, looking back at that Baku swim, it's, it's always one of my favourite swims because I just went out there and – just swam the race and just I, I was holding on a bit towards the end but it just felt so good and I finished and it, it didn't even matter how much it was hurting the last length I, I just looked at the time and I was, I was so happy <laughs> yeah well, it, it must hurt a lot less when you when you get a result like that for sure yeah definitely <laughs> yeah and um, I suppose then you know in 2019 when you did you did finally PB again in the 200 back um I mean, that feeling in itself above, you know, the, the bronze medal, it must have been so satisfying to know that you've, you've persevered for all these years at an event which you know you're very extremely talented at. Um, and to see all your hard work pay off, I mean, that must have just been, I'd imagine that was one of the best moments of your career, no? Absolutely, yeah. Um, that was kind of a, I can't think of the word, but like, the, yeah, the massive payoff um, after like, four years or something without being and, and and not being where I wanted to be that that kind of um reinstilled that that confidence in me um and yeah I've just been able to build on that since and um it just makes the the kind of swimming journey so much more enjoyable um 
and yes, at Worlds when when I saw the 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 time come up on the board and the bronze medal, it was just like a a massive sigh of relief, really. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant, um, and I think I, I can I can build on that now, um, having having got that confidence and seeing how much further ahead I am now to even when I was um, where I was when I when I swam that that. Uh, 2019 world's time um the difference in training is so much further ahead so i'm yeah really looking forward to to um swimming next week and at the olympics yeah good, good man for sure i mean i suppose that since then your pbs have been a little bit like buses they you know they didn't turn up at all and then all of a sudden you get yeah. them one after another but um yeah i mean and, and on that topic i mean congratulations first and foremost on the british record and that 200 back one of the i think it might have been the longest but it's certainly one of the longest standing british records um going into that manchester it was 155 3-1 i think um going into that Manchester meet were you were you expecting to race that fast had you tapered down were you ready or was it a little bit of a when you when you went so fast in the heat was that the point where you're like oh hello let's let's see what's happening here. <laughs> yeah so um obviously there was two Manchester meets and at the first meet I went 156.3 which was um an absolutely incredible in season time for me I think it's about over a second faster than I've ever been before in season. So I knew I was I was swimming well. Um into both meets we kinda of had a recovery week into um into racing, but it's it wasn't really a full taper. It's just kind of the recovery weeks that we fit into the the cycle um naturally. So we do usually like three or four weeks hard work and then uh, an adaptation week. So it was just one of those adaptation weeks. But yeah, after the first one, um I went into the second meet uh just wanting to improve on that really. Um, and over the past year or two, maybe three years, um, Mel has always kind of said to me, go into every race with like purpose and intention. So rather than going into even like, if we're racing the heats at books, we want to go in and say, right, we're going to get something out of this. We're not just going to go in, swim it and make the final because that's easy. We want to go in, and we want to get something out of it, whether that be a good time or whether that be tactical element or a process element. Um, we want to go in, go in and do something that's going to help us improve and somewhat set a benchmark for us to improve on. So in the heats in Manchester, like I was feeling good, and I like really wanted to go in and, and set that ben- benchmark pretty high. Um, and to be honest, I didn't think that I'd go 155 in the heats. That was actually a pretty big surprise. But um, just focusing on the process, the, the time came to me. Um, and then in the final, like I always want to push it on from heats to finals. So, um, yeah, there, there was a big push. And I knew that I had it in me um, after that heat swim. So, yeah, it, it was uh, pretty pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Every, everyone was uh, everyone was talking about you. That's for sure, mate. But uh, <laughs> do you think? I mean, you've got one fifty-five low now. Have you? Do you sort of have any idea about in the summer at the Olympics what time it's probably going to take to medal or be up there on the podium? Have you thought about that, or do you not allow you just uh, just trust the process? Um, like I'm aware of of what other people are doing. I mean, obviously, there's the likes of Rylov, Ryan Murphy. Um, and like a handful of others, I think that are going to knock out really good times in the summer. Um, but I think all that I can do is really focus on what I do in the months leading up to that, um, and put myself in the best possible position. Possible position. Um, I've got a race tactic in my head that kind of works, and um, 
I think if I stick to that and, and do everything a little bit better than I have been doing in the lead up to, to uh, Tokyo, then I kind of put myself in the best possible position. But it's important for me to focus on my own race rather than what other people are doing. Yeah, I suppose at the end of the day, that's the only thing you can control, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, since since breaking his record, have you been in touch with Mr. Goddard at all? Or has, has any words been exchanged between you two? No, no, I haven't. Um, I haven't been in touch with him, um, actually. Uh, I, I have. He, he has said well done on Twitter a few times in the past, um, I think. But I haven't. Yeah, I haven't spoke to him this time. But um, yeah, he's a really nice guy. And he's, he's always been um, really supportive of my career. So. Yeah, he, he was one of my kind of idols growing up as, as a, a youngster. So, um, yeah, that's it is amazing to get his record. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, he was sort of the face of British Backstroke for a long time, and also I am as well. In terms of um, obviously in swimming, I'd imagine everybody sort of looks up to the likes of Phelps and you know Lockdown and what have you. But in terms of backstroke, um, do you have any favourite backstrokers from years gone by? I mean. I mean, when, when I was sort of growing up, it was Pearsall was the, was the big man. You've also got, I mean, in the UK, you had in female backstroke, you had Spofforth, Lizzie Simmons, the likes of that. Is anyone you've really looked up to in backstroke? Yeah, there was obviously um, James Goddard um, and Liam Tancock as well was another one when I, I was kind of growing up. Um, and then the likes of the Americans, like you said, Pearsall and Matt Grievers. I remember watching the likes of Grievers and, and Liam at a duel in the pool in 2009 when I was, how old was that? Probably about 13 years old, 13, 14 years old. So yeah, they, they've always kind of been idols of mine um, alongside the likes of Phelps as well. Like my first memory of swimming was um, watching Phelps win eight goals at, at Beijing. Um, so that that's, um, for me, he's the greatest athlete of all time, really. Yeah. Do you have a, a favourite Phelps race at all? Or a favourite swimmer race that you've watched in the past? Um, I, th- I think the four by one from Beijing, four by one freestyle is pretty pretty impressive. Um, well, Lisa comes back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's 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 a really good one. Hundred fly from Beijing again. That was a close one. Hundredth of a second. Um, but also watching the relay back. For, I know I'm in it, but <laughs> watching Duncan come back in 2019. Um, on the four by one medley at, at World Championships, that's that was pretty special as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was going to say <laughs> after you mentioned the, the Lezak split, I mean, you were in one of the most most exciting races that there's ever been in the sport. I mean, going into that race, what was your thought process um, for your own leg going in before it all sort of kicked off big time? I think um, going in there, I, I kind of knew that. I was going to be probably a little bit off the pace of some of the big guys. Um, but I, I just wanted to get in there and put the other three guys in the best possible position. Um, and that really kind of spurred me on, knowing that I wasn't just doing it for myself. I was doing it for the three guys after me as well. Um, so, yeah, that that was a little bit nerve-wracking. But at the same time, I just kind of go in with the same philosophy that I go into any race whereas I don't want to overthink it just focus on the process and the time will come to you um yeah but yeah I mean, obviously, I think, like, yeah sorry, sorry I was just going to say like, <laughs> sorry but I was just going to say I mean I think it's a little bit of a, a myth that you were off the pace because you turned fifth and I think you were only 
I think he was just over a second behind. Um, I think the Russians or the Americans let it out. So I, th- I certainly don't think you're off the pace, mate. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was great. It was great to watch. I mean, we were all egging everyone on so so much. And when I mean when Duncan was coming down that last length, I mean, was the what was the adrenaline rush? I mean, that must have been insane, pal. Yeah, it was almost kind of, I couldn't really believe it was happening. Um, like, there's always stood <laughs> at the end next to Adam, and we were both shouting, and about 25 metres out, I could see him just absolutely storming past, and I was like, he's going to do it, he's going to do it, he's, he's actually going to do it, and I'm <laughs> screaming my head off. So uh, but did you um, did you spot that did you spot that he'd got on Adrian's wave at all or when when did you realise that did you did you think that like thirty with thirty meters to go Jesus he's he's actually he's on his wave he can do this yeah. Or, what, what, yeah so if I'm honest like I didn't really take um, it's it's always more difficult to see when they're going out um, as to where people are go where people are but as he got closer and closer to us I was like he's catching him here he's catching him here he's catching him here <laughs> and um, yeah just I knew I knew. Uh, from about 25 metres out that Duncan was, had brought him back. So that that was, yeah, that was pretty special. Yeah, and um, you've mentioned how being on the podium with those lads was uh, probably the proudest moment of your swimming career. Um, why what, do you think achieving it with your mates is, is extra special? Yeah, absolutely. Um, within British Swimming, there's been a huge push for that relay um, over the last, four years so after the Olympics when when the guys came second so um yeah we, we've had a few opportunities to work together on um specific, like relay specific camps and we've done lots of team building activities together and it's not just us it wasn't just us four it was I think the top three um or top four uh swimmers for each stroke at over 100 meters um were on these camps so yeah there's there's so much kind of work got into that relay um and it wasn't just us it was obviously will be swam the heats and then um there's there's so many other people behind the scenes working for that so yeah it was really special to to be part of a, a team that's really achieved something great yeah for sure no doubt and i mean i suppose that's one of the, the good things about british swimming um over the last few years is that it now has the strength and depth to really compete in the world level not only in individual events but on relays as well i mean an example of that is also the four by two relay i mean being at loughborough and being around all these elite swimmers now who are all british and you're all sort of pushing each other on that must only be a breeding ground for success yeah absolutely i think one of the things that i've certainly noticed about the environment at loughborough is the the professionalism that, that is just ingrained in everyone um Obviously, everyone's striving towards a common goal, which is like peak performance. So anyone new who comes into the group or that comes into the centre is kind of dragged into that mindset of um, professionalism. No one really gets brought down. Everyone, People only get brought up. And it's quite high standards. But um, yeah, if you've got those people around you that are, are pushing you and questioning you and, and, and make it, making you make the right decisions... Um, not just the coaches, but the athletes as well, um, and holding accountability for, accountability for each other. Um, it's just a breeding ground, breeding ground for success, really. Yeah. And um, what? so what was the main reason for you moving down, mate? Because, I mean, 
uh, we, we can talk about Cockermouth in a bit um, in terms of how successful that is as a, as a club. It's quite it's quite astonishing, really, for such a small town. Um, I think you moved down in 2016, 2017, around then. Um, yes. You were yeah. European juniors, European junior champion at the time. What sort of instigated that move down to Mel? Um, so, Sean Barmer, my old coach, was always pretty... Um, happy for us to leave in fact he was he encouraged us to, to move on somewhere else um i think cockermouth is an excellent junior program but it just it we don't really have the facilities and the pool time and and all that kind of stuff to accommodate for for senior swimmers so um sean was always very proactive in helping us move on to the right place um and he was the one who actually put me in touch with mel so um from quite early on we had this kind of relationship where um, I was in a comfortable position to move away from home and, and to someone who I trusted and thought was going to be best for me. Um, and Sean also thought that um, Mel would be best for me as well. So, yeah, um, that was always going to be a decision to move away, whether it be Loughborough, Bath, Sterling, um, anywhere really. But um, moving to Mel just kind of, it, it, it felt right. So that that's kind of the decision um, the the process behind the decision making, um, but yeah, it, it was obviously a little bit different at first. But I feel like I've really settled in now, and I, I found feel like this group that I'm in is um, absolutely perfect, really. Yeah, no, I mean it. It must be it's so perfect for for all you guys down there at the minute. Um, what do you still keep in touch uh, with Sean, and does he still give you sort of coaching advice, or is it more of a, a personal relationship now? Um, a bit of both, really. Like, I definitely keep in touch with him. Um, like, my little brother still swims at Cockermouth, and my dad uh, is a well. They're all volunteers, but my dad's a kind of assistant coach to Sean um, and Elner Walsh as well. Um, so yeah, I, I still keep in contact with Sean, and and he, he'll message me if I if I swim well, and I'll message him if if something's going on. So yeah, it, it's it's a really good relationship, and. Um, yeah, he's always there if, if I need advice. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, believe it or not, mate, I said this when we, we got the Lichfield brothers on, believe it or not, we do our research on this thing. I was reading about uh, Sean Barmer and he, I mean, he's pretty, he, it's all volunteers, isn't it, up there? He doesn't, he's got a job, and he, but his, his part-time, I suppose, hobby is to coach you guys at Cockermouth. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's amazing in itself. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing, really. Um, so, Sean is obviously the head coach, and then you've got Elna Walsh, who set up the the club, I think, about forty years ago, and she's also a coach up there. Um, but yeah, all the coaches are volunteers, um, and to have the success that they've had over the past forty years is is absolutely incredible. Um, I think one of the reasons for that is the kind of environment and and the values that that Sean instills in a lot of the swimmers. Um, Certainly when I was there, he got us to kind of take ownership of our ourselves and our swimming journeys, if you like, um, and put put a lot of the – got us to make decisions and say, can you do this better? Can this be done in a different way? And, and that's something that I've carried on to, um, like, my kind of swimming now. And even Mel's made comment um, – 
myself and Ed Baxter, who moved from Cockermouth to Loughborough with me, she's always said that um, we were quite easy to coach because we just got on with it. And, and, and that's something that, that I think it has really made the difference. And I see it in a lot of the, the swimmers at Cockermouth that are there now. I, I go back and I go back every now and then. Obviously, my parents still live up there. So, um, yeah, it, it's just something that I think a lot of clubs aren't doing. and It's easy wins, really. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a look. I think there's a story behind um, Sean. Sort of, you talk about taking accountability for yourself. I think Sean, there was um, you just won the European Juniors in 2014 in the 200 back, and I read about a story where at the nationals after that in the 200 fly, you'd made the semis, but you weren't that keen on swimming them for, for because I think <laughs> there was a load of races on. What what exactly happened there? What's the story there, mate? Yeah, uh, so I think it was a 200 fly, I think. And uh, I kind of, uh, looking back at it now, like I was probably a little bit, um, well, I was apprehensive to swim it. I didn't really want to swim it because I, I thought that it would take away from my other events. Um, and Sean was like, no, no, it won't. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, and I kind of, being like a young swimmer who was probably a little bit too cocky having just won European juniors or, or whatever um, kind of threw a hissy fit and was like I don't want to do this don't want to do this <laughs> and he was like just do it just do it just do it and I was like oh fine so I did it and uh, yeah I ended up winning <laughs> um, yeah so, so that's not, not bad though is it yeah but that's that's one of the things like that was probably a little bit of a turning point for me and realising that Sean and any coach really is there to help you. Like they don't want you to swim badly. They want, they're pushing you to be your best. Um, and the sooner I realized that the, the, the better really, because it had such a, it, it made me see training in a, a completely different light. Um, and, and understanding that a coach is there to help you improve rather than make your life misery is, is definitely, it helps with the relationship with the coach, mass, coach massively. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, I mean, you, you talked about going going back up there. Do you still go back up there? Do you ever st- uh, have a few training sessions back up there at all? Or do you sort of just chill out when you're back home? Um, yeah, occasionally I do. Um, not so much at the moment just because of all the COVID regulations and stuff. So I haven't been home in a while. But, um, yeah, if if I get the opportunity to get back in, I'll, um, I'll do the sessions and... Um, if Sean wants me to do any like technique work with the kids, then I'm more than happy to help. Um, yeah, I think the last one I did was probably definitely before COVID and every New Year's Eve, they do hundred hundreds. So I usually, <laughs> I'm usually back over Christmas and get dragged into doing that. But yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he doesn't make them, he doesn't make you do them back, does he? Or... No, it's, it's like a mix of stuff. So it's not too bad, but yeah, it's very oh, long. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I suppose for those who aren't aware, um, that it's a play, it's a small town in the Lake District, isn't it? In in Cumbria, um, are you a big lakes guy? Do you always hang? Is that your favourite place in the world? Do you always go there in the summers and stuff, or um, what? Well, since you've moved down to Loughborough, do you think you might move elsewhere in the future? Um, no, I absolutely love it back up there. Um, I didn't really appreciate it until I moved away from Loughborough. Um, but yeah, I got I managed to get back up last summer um for a few weeks and um 
my mate's got a paddleboard and a kayak, so we went out walking and on, on the lakes, which is was really nice when the weather's nice. It does rain a lot, so <laughs> um, there's not always that opportunity to get outside. But um, yeah, I absolutely love it up there. I don't I don't know what I'm going to do in the future and um, past swimming career, but uh, yeah, it, it's always going to be home. That that I love going back and uh, seeing everyone and um, and getting back uh, back up to the lakes. Yeah, and no, I mean, it's actually, I, I myself went back up in uh, October, and yeah, it's absolutely lovely up there. But uh, mm. as I say, you don't appreciate it as a kid, do you? You don't appreciate how yeah, nice yeah. it is until, until you're too old, you've moved away, and you can't go back yeah. up there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but but um, in, in terms of after swimming, um, have you, you said you don't know what you want to do. Have you thought about different potential paths um, after swimming, or is it you just sort of pushing that decision till later? I kind of pushing that down the line for the minute. Um, oh, I mean, yeah, there's not, yeah, not too much focus on being yeah. an Olympian, is it? I mean, I've always kind of, <laughs> I've always kind of considered um, the possibility of a coaching role or, or staying in the sport um, in one way or another. But what that looks like, I, I'm not entirely sure yet. Um, I plan on keeping going until at least Paris. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's a decision for for later down the line and I think it probably depends on how the next few years goes as well yeah and I mean by that time your uh your your little brother Sam might be competing with you how's he doing at the moment in his career yeah yeah he's um everything I hear from my dad and, and Sean whenever I talk to them is is always positive so um I think he's raring to get back in the pool on the 12th of April and um I'm sure he'll be absolutely smashing it Good stuff, good stuff. And I mean, you, you've talked, you mentioned earlier how you used to swim fly as a kid and as, as a teenager. Um, when did you sort of start to prioritise backstroke? What, what was there? A, was there a turning point? Was there a particular meet where you thought, Jesus, I can, I'm really good at backstroke? Or how, how did that sort of happen? Um, well, yeah, as a youngster, we were always kind of encouraged to swim all four strokes and practice all four strokes. So I used to race all four strokes as well. Um, fly just used to be the best one, and then that kind of gradually uh, transitioned into backstroke as I got older. Uh, I still swam fly up until I was about 16, 17. Um, and I, I'd like to kind of pick that up again, I think, in the next cycle or so, um, just to, to get a little bit of variance in my in my, uh, in my racing. But, yeah, it was probably about the age of 14 when backstroke probably became a little bit more of the, the dominant stroke. Um, and since then, it's, it's become more and more dominant, really. Yeah, no, for sure. Is it is it your favourite stroke to? Uh, do you do all of your hard sessions in backstroke, or do you mix it up? Uh, the majority of hard sessions are backstroke. Um, there might be a few where, if we're doing like short rest um, threshold work, there, there might be a bit of freestyle in there. But I'd say the majority of the hard stuff is backstroke, and then the majority of the long stuff is the mix between free and back, and maybe a little bit of IM. Yeah. Um, and that's why I suppose I was uh, asking a little bit about potential of swimming. I am at, at trials at the moment. Um, at the moment, are you tapering down for trials, or are you, are you? Is it a serious taper down for that hundred back? Uh, yeah, it, we are tapering down. Um, it started on Monday. I think it's like a little bit of a gradual taper at the minute. Um, but we've kind of seen over the past the, the Manchester meets that um, I was swimming off well off not a huge amount of rest so I think there's probably a little bit more leeway in there to, to push that taper later but um yeah by the time that I race at the 200 back it's probably about just under three weeks um which is probably pretty normal for a taper for me 
Yeah. And uh, regarding Tokyo, have you heard anything recently about um, any other restrictions that might happen with COVID? Have you heard anything from British Swimming about it? Or is it for the time being, it's all still going ahead as planned? From everything we've heard, um, it's go- it's going to be going ahead. Obviously, there'll be restrictions on uh, international fans. And um, I think there's probably a fair bit of testing going on. Um, not sure how often, but we'll probably get tested pretty regularly. Um, in terms of the specifics, we haven't really heard anything yet. I think that'll probably change over the next few months anyway, um, with more information coming in and um, and case numbers and stuff like that. So, yeah, just got to kind of wait and see from that perspective. But I think with everything that's gone over the, on over the last year, um, I think we'll be pretty ready for anything, really. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, you must be hoping that, I mean, family can go or that, you know, your mum and dad can go or maybe Sean can go and see you. Are you, are you still hoping for that or are you just sort of not? Has that come into your mind at all? Um, obviously, I'd love them to be out there, but um, I think there was an announcement a, a couple of weeks ago saying no international fans. So I, I kind of not get my hopes up too much, um, but I'm sure they'll be watching from home if, if they're not able to get out there. Yeah, for sure. I think you'll have the whole of the Northwest uh, <laughs> screaming for you, mate. That's for that, Dad. Um, you've uh, just sort of outside of swimming now, mate. Um, I've, I've heard that your girlfriend's a triathlete. Are you any decent on the bike or on a run? Do you ever do you ever cross train or anything like that, mate? Uh, this might be a bit we want to cut out because we actually. Oh, sorry, it. oh, no, sorry, it's all right. Mate, sorry, no, it's mate. okay. No, it's all right. Sorry, mate. Sorry, no, it's mate. absolutely fine. <laughs> so, um. that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, you don't have to. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll make sure. I'll make the, the bloke who edits this is in Sweden, so I'll make sure to get into edit. Oh, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll change conversation then. What, what, what else can we talk about, Luke, mate? <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that, pal. No, it's all right. Um, uh, right. Um, so, Mr. Luke Greenback, um, <laughs> outside of swimming, when you go off with the Team GB, um, are you, I mean, I've heard you're a little bit of a, a Foo Fighters fan. I don't know whether that's true. Um, do you, are you in charge of the, of, are you the, in charge of the music with the 4 by one medley team or does anyone else take it over? Oh, no, I, I'm too scared to have um, my music tastes uh, played over. <laughs> I'll leave that to someone else. Um, I think it's, well, Joe Litchfield's always um, pretty on it with the music. He's the one with the speaker, usually. Certainly oh, around Loughborough, so yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. What, what type of stuff is he into? Literally everything. We, we go into pre-pool every day and there's something, something different playing, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, um, but do you have any like sort of pr- pr- talking about music before race? Do you have any sort of pre-race routines which you like to you like to use before a big race? Um, I don't really listen to music before a race. Uh, I kind of just like to be quite relaxed and um, not too hyped up. So, like, I listen to music if I'm stretching or something. If there's no one to talk to, I'll just listen to music. But like I said, it w- it wouldn't be to hype me up. It'll just kind of be to um, to relax, really. Um, and yeah, I just like staying calm and, and talking to people if there's, there's people around. Um, just, yeah, just having a chat, really. Uh, it's, it's a bit different to like a lot of people. Like you see Adam, for example, with headphones on, getting all psyched up. But for me, I just like to focus on two or three key points in my race and um, not get too wound up. Obviously, I want to be a little bit up. I want to be up for it, but I don't want to be in a place where I'm 
too hyped up and I'm, I'm missing my cues, if that makes sense. Yeah. Has that always been the case or have you previously had mistakes from being too hyped up and that's why you sort of decided to be more chilled out? Yeah, I th- I've definitely tried that approach before. Um, but over the last kind of couple of years, I've probably refi- refined um, the approach and, and found what works best for me, really. Yeah. Uh, no, that because um, obviously I, the reason I asked that question was because for the four by one medley team, um, the the lads walked out, and I think it was James Guy and Adam P had big headphones on, and you you didn't, and you seemed a lot more chilled out by the whole thing than uh, them. Is there some sort of team talk that you guys have before you go out, or are you sort of all do have your own little things going on as, as individuals? A little bit of both, really. Like, um, so Mel's in charge of the medley relay, and, and she'll always give us like a little pep talk before we go round, um, and then. Yeah, we'll, we'll sometimes have a little bit of a chat in the call room if if that's what. Well, I, I'm always up for it, but if if the other guys want to kind of do their thing with with music or get themselves hyped hyped up, then they do that, and we we kind of are aware of what each other are doing, but um, we we have our own little routines, I think. Yeah, and what's that atmosphere like before a big race? Say. Uh, 2019 Worlds before the 200 back in the the Marshland area before before the race. What's that atmosphere like there? Are you are you guys talking to each other or what what what's what's happening there? Um, I can't really remember to be honest. I, I think it was <laughs> the, like I said, like kind of similar to before. Like everyone has their own routine, so there's people sat there with headphones on there's some people chatting like people say usually say good luck to each other so um every call room is different really i'd say in a gb setting everyone kind of knows each other a bit better um so there's a little bit more chatting than when compared to say world championships or european championships or olympics um but yeah it's weird you just got to kind of find your way of of coping and uh, controlling the nerves really yeah, I mean, obviously, you'd also have the uh, the language barrier in uh, the sort of the big international meet as well, which which doesn't help aid itself to sort of chatting about, does it? No, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people speak really good English. It makes me look like really stupid because I can't <laughs> speak any other language. But um, yeah, we're usually able to kind of communicate, even if it is like with broken English. But yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh, yeah, we've just got a few more questions, mate. Um, what we ask everybody is, obviously, you're a young swimmer. You've talked about you want to keep up for, for, for the foreseeable future. When you have sort of um, called it a day and you look back at your swimming career, what do you want to have achieved by then? I think I just want to look back and see that I, I couldn't have put more any more in um, and got the best out of myself. And I think that's the, the kind of ultimate process goal for for me as a swimmer I, I want to go in there and, and not leave anything behind um, and say that I've done everything I possibly could have done what, what that looks like could be different in terms of outcome goals but um, yeah as long as I, I come out of swimming feeling like I've achieved everything I could have possibly achieved then um, then I'll be happy really yeah and um well, I suppose up until now that that's certainly that m- must be the case. Do you sort of? I was just sort of. I'm quite intrigued by your sort of junior career as such. Was it? Were the sessions really, really hard and tough then? And do you think that's where you gained your sort of mental toughness? 
or was it the group of people around you? What about those the sort of actual sessions in as a junior sort of do you think drove you on to be so successful in those ranks? Um, I think there's there's a couple of ways. I think both really, like you just mentioned, that both the sessions and the, the people around me. Um, so the sessions we did at Cockermouth were a four week cycle. Um, so we did the same sessions every four weeks, maybe slightly altered. Um, but there was a big emphasis on uh, threshold work and technique. Um, so we did a lot, a lot of threshold work probably every day. Um, and I think that built up a good um, kind of base for me uh, going into my senior career and, and something that I still build on now. So that, that definitely was um, a massive push. But then if I look back at the, the group as a whole and, and, the lads I had around me, um, we all got on really well. Um, I, like I still talk to them now every day. We like we play Xbox together, and um, I think that definitely helped with the more kind of monotonous side of, of training and the fact that we were all there and able to have a laugh and, and enjoy it was was massive. Um, and Alongside that, the, the condition, well, the environment that we were in was kind of eight in a lane, four lane, 25 meter pool, uh, going three second intervals. Um, it was certainly character building and every, everything that every like challenge that I come up against now, like if we have to swim four in a lane at, at Loughborough, there's maybe the odd person complaining, I'm like, this is nothing like <laughs> I used to swim eight in a lane. Um, and yeah, again, going back to what we were saying before about um, why Cockle is such a good club, like it's stuff like that that you, you just learn to deal with and everything seems easy after stuff like that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and that's, that, I think that must be why, um, you know, you're so mentally able to cope with all the pressure and what have you at the moment on the senior ranks. I don't think there's any better words to finish on than that, pal. Thank you so much for coming on. You've been oh, no an absolute gentleman. You've been an absolute gentleman. And, um, yeah, really look forward to uh, seeing you at trials and at the Olympics. And fingers crossed you can bring home a few medals, particularly of the gold variety. So thanks very much, mate. Again, I appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you very much. No problem, pal. Thank you for listening to an episode of The Swim Special. Everybody here at ISL News greatly appreciates it. Do not forget to catch us on whatever platform you use to hear your podcasts. And also give us a follow on Instagram at news. That's where you can find all the best content about swimming, in particular the ISL and the upcoming ISL Season 3. We're going to be putting the videos of these podcasts onto YouTube as well as clips. And also, we're going to be putting those clips onto Instagram as well. So don't forget to catch us there. Thanks very much for listening. It's greatly appreciated. Cheers.